0: I'm Amanda, and I'm Mike, and this This is
1: Saturday Saturday Morning Morning Serial.
0: Hello everybody and welcome to season 5 of Saturday Morning Serial podcast. It's so crazy, we're already at season 5. I feel like I just started this podcast and Now we have mike on as our complete co-host so it's great so happy new year hope you guys all had a great holiday and let's just hope 2023 you know we gotta keep hope we gotta keep faith and you know let's just hope the world gets a little bit better right but that starts with some good movies coming out this year that we are particularly excited about uh mike what do you what are you excited most for 2023
1: uh, I think Ant-Man, the Wasp, and then in, Across the Spider-Verse, I'm very excited for. And then potentially a new Ghostbusters sequel, I'm very excited to see that with my sister.
0: Yeah, I'm excited for Ant-Man as well. And I, I actually am looking forward to the third Guardians movie.
1: Oh yeah, I keep on forgetting about that. It's been in development for so long, and a very long time. They, they were filming it, and then they, they had to stop, and then they fired James Gunn, and then the pandemic. Yeah, it's it's been a white it's been a ride for that movie
0: mm-hmm. and then there's been some drama in the um, dc universe correct with henry cavill
1: um so james gunn is just going to come in and become a kevin feige-esque showrunner for the dc universe like the entire dc universe we're talking like animated movies video games potentially comics and he's going to st- spearhead everything, and try to get it into a more unified direction, so that you don't have, you know, three Batmans running around, and two Jokers, and, uh, you know, movies that don't accumulate to anything, like, like Justice League, or or something like that, so I'm excited for it, it's kind of, it's kind of necessary that you cut ties with everything that wasn't working, and you just move forward, and that's, it has to work somehow, so, we'll see.
0: I'm actually looking forward to the Shazam movie coming out, too. I enjoyed it when we sat down and watched it.
1: Yeah, you, I think you. it's probably your favorite DC film at this point, right?
0: Yeah, it is. I do like Zachary Levy, too. So, it was a combination of just good acting, good humor, and a good time.
1: Uh, and we, we're we still going to have to sit down and watch Aquaman because that is your bro James Wan directing that movie and I know you're a big fan of his horror films. Yes, I'm a big fan of James Wan. I've seen Aquaman, I'm not a fan of it, but we'll see what you think when we watch it.
0: Yeah, I have a whole list of movies that I need to sit down and watch. I just ran out of time this whole entire holiday season. It's been kind of a rough year um, past couple months for us, so we're finally digging ourselves out. We got a renewed sense of hope, and we're just going to move forward with this new year. And that starts with, again, some movies. And I'm like, my list is so big. I have to watch, like, Nope and Fall and Strange World on Disney+. Plus. I mean, those are just some movies that I need to sit down and watch. And I also have some, like, true crime documentaries I want to watch and just random shows on stream, like Blockbuster on Netflix. I really want to start that.
1: It was already canceled. Really? Yeah. Oh, no. Netflix has canceled Blockbuster again.
0: Yeah, I know. Blockbuster can't catch a break. But um, we watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and I really like, oh, I can't remember the actress's name, but the girl that plays Amy.
1: Melissa Fumero. Yeah,
0: she plays, uh, she, she's in Blockbuster, so I, I love her. But anyway today we are going to talk about avatar the way of water so i have a confession to make to everybody i have never seen the first avatar movie until a couple weeks ago when mike had me watch it and honestly i feel like i wasn't missing much (laughs) um i'm not gonna deny these films are beautiful and If you saw it when it came out in IMAX, I can see why it was visually stunning. And, like, what, Mike? Is it the best visual effects movie that has been ever made? Or Um, what accolade was it?
1: Well, it's just a combination of the motion capture technology and then James Cameron working together so seamlessly. And the fact that it was kind of like the first movie of its time to do that and do it so well like Robert Zemeckis had tried to make like CGI realistic movies you know Polar Express and all that Mm -hmm. stuff and it just wasn't clicking because you had that uncanny valley but with the Na'vi you know they are human-like but they're not human so you, you get away with more they have bigger features they have bigger eyes bigger ears they're taller so they they the animators and the actors can exaggerate more into it so uh it just came together really well and it's it was a lot better seeing it in the theater in you know 2000 whatever when it came out but now you know it it could look dated to your eyes but for for them it was it was magnificent it was excellent and it was really groundbreaking mm-hmm.
0: We sat down and watched polar express as we usually do um around christmas and you always get very unsettled by the would you call it cgi
1: yeah the eyes the eyes just don't omit light like they they should they kind of look void Mm -hmm. and dark and yeah the, the eyes just don't work and we have this human psychology thing called uncanny valley and it's where our body goes into high alert when we something when we see something that looks human but isn't human and mm-hmm. it's kinda of off putting and it makes me wonder like from a psychological standpoint why we have such uh an an absurd reaction to something that is supposed to look like us but isn't us. Like mm-hmm. are there creatures that look like us but aren't us that have been hunting us for a long time that we have this instinct to avoid like what's going on with that anyway other discussion yeah
0: (laughs) well no that was very interesting Mike thank you um but yeah I I agree I mean the story though I wasn't a big fan of I just thought it was just mild at that
1: yeah it's it's a very seen that done that story
0: Mm hmm and that kind of brings us to um, this anticipated sequel. Uh, how long has this sequel been in development? It's been a while, right?
1: The whole franchise has been, develop- been in development for a long time. Um, you and I w- were both fans of Avatar The Last Airbender. And what had happened is that James Cameron had been making this movie since the 90s. And he had copyrighted the-, the term Avatar. So when Mike and Brian were making the animated series, they wanted to call it Avatar. But then Fox was like, hey, no, we're, we got this movie in development called Avatar. You can't do that. So Mike and Brian had to settle for Last Airbender as the subtitle. Mm-hmm. Oh, but wow. he's been making this movie since, you know, the 90s. And then when it came out, he was supposed to have another sequel like three or four years later. But it just got delayed because he couldn't get the script right. So mm-hmm. it's uh, the sequel has been delayed a long time. So it's, what, another... Nine ten years since the the first one came out that we're getting the sequel. Yeah,
0: I remember back in twenty seventeen, Mike, you and I went to Disney World and we were there when Pandora opened. And I'm like, I've never seen this movie before, but it's cool. Like I was, it was visually captivating the way they did the park and everything. And um we rode Flight of Passage, which was like probably one of my favorite Disney rides. It's just so cool. Um. And then, so, like, I knew what the Banshees were, I knew, you know, I I learned a lot just being in that Pandora land, so. Yeah,
1: you were calling the Navi critters, like they were like rabbits, rabbits or cats or something?
0: Yeah, they have tails, I mean, you know, you can't fault me for that one. (laughs) So, anyway, we went last Saturday, right, which was New Year's Eve, to see Avatar The Way of Water, the sequel here. And I was surprised how packed the theater was.
1: Yeah, and it, it's actually uh, going up in box office. Mm-hmm. Like, historically, movies have like a 50 to 40% drop their second weekend. Like, Avatar dropped second weekend, but its third weekend recently, it went up 6%, which is really unheard of. So, this movie, it's going to be here for a while.
0: I have um, this one article I was reading. It's currently sitting at half a billion dollars in the box office domestically as of today. That's incredible. And I saw kids and adults of like all ages in there too, which I was really kind of surprised about. Because it's really not a kids movie, but it could be. I I don't know. What, what do you
1: think? Oh, this movie is definitely not for kids. Yeah. I mean, the themes explored in this movie... It's not something you could easily talk to an eight-year-old about, so... Yeah. I wouldn't take my my little nieces to see this movie.
0: But there were kids their ages there, and even younger, I saw. Couldn't believe it.
1: So, Amanda, part of the reason why this movie took so long to film and create was because of the new technology that had to be invented to make a movie like this. So, the first Avatar movie used motion capture, and if you don't know what motion capture is, you basically wear... Uh, a suit with little dyads on it that react to infrared rays that are being uh, picked up by cam- that are being sent out by camera and fed back to the camera, so you kind of get like this 3D I- equivalency of yourself in the computer that well the the animators will la- later layer on into you know a model and a rig and all that stuff. So you have to have this infrared, and if you know anything about infrared, you know that's light. And what what does light do when it hits water? It reflects, right? It's it's going to break up. It's it's going to bounce around all over the place. It's going to bounce back. So it's very difficult to to conceptualize filming a motion capture underwater because of how water is and how light interacts with water. So I I haven't seen any of these uh, behind the scenes of this movie, but this new motion capture technology must be revolutionary if it's able to work underwater
0: yeah we just um, Black Panther there was a lot of underwater sequences in that and I thought it was really good but this movie was visually stunning because I would say what like 65% of this movie is underwater and it's hard to explain but like there's times where you forget they're underwater just how realistic it is like it's just it seems like it's more of, like, an explorer type of thing, and then it turns into, like, an underwater adventure. And I just really liked how realistic all of the imaginary creatures are. Like, it wasn't a whale, but it was a whale.
1: Yeah, we kind of had, like, this human uh, equivalency we could latch onto, you know, like, whales and, like, mm-hmm. you know, um, the the banshees kind of being, like, a plesiosaurus or... Lapras, if you're there we go. a Pokemon fan. Yeah,
0: I really liked those. What would you call them? Like water banshees or something? Like they were really cool. I like their design better than the actual banshees. I think.
1: Yeah, water is just way cooler than air, in yeah. in general. So yeah, the water banshees are definitely a win.
0: But like going back to the whole water sequences, it just you could feel the water. You could feel. The items that were in the water, whether it was, like, sand or, like, coral or whatever. And then, like, the texture of these creatures, you could just, like, know what they feel like. And that's what I really enjoyed was just the visual. Because we saw it in 3D IMAX, and it was perfect. It was so good.
1: I mean, it looked really good for the underwater scenes, and most of it looked really good. But for me, what took me out of the movie a couple times It's this character called Spider. Mm -hmm. And Spider is one of the... He's like a Mowgli. He's like a man-cub. And he lives as a human on this Pandora planet with poisonous gas all over the place, breathing human air. He's walking around with these Navi who are like, you know, twice as tall as he is. And, you know, you kind of come into this movie and then you kind of accept the CGI and how the movie's going to look for the rest of the movie. And then You'll see a human character and you'll, oh, yeah, everything here is fake yeah. and it just really took me out of it.
0: Yeah. I, you know, not really for me though. It for me, it all looked great. It all flowed together visually and yeah, but let's uh since we're talking about like Spider and stuff, we can talk about the characters. So we have Sam Worthington back as Jake, Zoe Saldana back as Neytiri, I can't pronounce the name. <laughs> Um, And then their characters have some children.
1: Yes, four children to be exact. They have two sons, a daughter, and then they adopt Sigourney Weaver's character's daughter.
0: Who is Sigourney Weaver herself? And I (laughs) I couldn't believe it. I'm like, why does this, like, I would would put her at, like, what, 13 years old? I'm like, why does this 13-year-old girl sound like she's, like, 60
1: yeah, it was very jarring hearing that that gravitas voice come out of that little girl, yeah. that little body.
0: The that's what bothered me the whole movie was that I couldn't I couldn't shake it. I just every time that girl opened her mouth, I'm like, I can't. Like she what? And then at the end of the movie, we were driving home, and I said this to you, and you were like, "That was Sigourney Weaver," and I'm like, "Oh, oh God, like what?"
1: I, I mean, I don't understand why, why it was necessary to cast Sigourney Weaver to play her daughter, especially when her daughter was so young. Like, if her daughter was like 24, and then you want, you just want to say, you know, if she's got Sigourney's voice, whatever. Okay, I'll accept that. Mm-hmm. But the castor to play like a 12-year-old girl, like, there's so many great, young, talented actresses out there that you could have gotten for this role. You don't have to reuse Sigourney Weaver all the time. I understand she's a legend,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but you don't have to use her all the time.
0: And then we have Cliff Curtis and Kate Winslet originating two new characters. They're the what water Na'vi leaders.
1: Yes, the Metakavania mm-hmm. chief and queen.
0: I like those characters. Those Na'vi's—they were so cool. And they were. Their design was so neat.
1: I really like how they were more adept to their life in the ocean and they had, like, you know, um, bigger arms and they had longer tails with fins on them and, like, it was so cool. They had a bigger lung capacity. Mm-hmm. It was really cool.
0: And then, can we just talk about how Lion king isk this movie felt, especially with Jake and the way he treated his boys?
1: Yeah, like, totally there's, like, I was, I, we were watching this movie, and it's when uh, one of Jake's sons go, goes into the Forbidden Territory, and I'm like, it's the elephant graveyard!
0: Yeah, and then it's like, he um, disciplines them in the way of, you know, he's a strict father, and but deep down, he loves his kids, but I, he's he has a military background, so it kind of shows how Jake was brought up as a child. He's reflecting that onto his sons and it's just, they, they see it as like, I don't know, maybe their dad being harsh, but I think they also know deep down he loves them.
1: Yeah. It, he was right. He was obviously like a Marine before he was a Navi and he still has that kind of like human mentality of, you know, I have to I have to raise these boys, you know, to be strong and and, be, and bold and great warriors because like the world is out there to get them.
0: I mean, there were times where I enjoyed how they wrote Jake, but then there were other times where I didn't enjoy how they wrote Jake. And one of those times was when, like the big fight at the end, I felt like Jake didn't do enough. You agree.
1: Uh, in what respect it was like and you mean like in in helping his children or or fighting the bad guy
0: both yeah i feel like he should have i mean you know the the bad guy was like turn yourself in and no one will be harmed i feel like jay could have like had i mean they overall it did good and zoe Saldana's character is like his partner in crime and they always have a plan but I don't know. I just felt like there was just unnecessary risk with the children and I don't know.
1: Yeah, the the, the trope of the kids getting caught and captured and recaptured. It yeah, it wasn't wasn't working for me.
0: I know. It was just like, can you please do something about this, <laughs> you know? Can you
1: please keep your kids around for 5 minutes right. and watch them?
0: Right. And Zoe Saldana, I I have to say, I think her character is my favorite. And I really enjoyed seeing how her and Jake, Sam Worthington's character, how their relationship progressed and their marriage and like how they work together as a team. I really enjoyed how, you know, what he told um, her like, you got to show me your, like the brave woman that I love or something like that. I thought that was really nice and she's a great mom and Zoe Saldana has great range with her acting she can go from being happy to a badass to a sobbing mess you you were what saying she was a good crier
1: <laughs> oh she's an excellent she's an ugly crier mm-hmm. which there's not a lot of ugly criers in Hollywood you know like you look at like Andrew Garfield crying and you're like god damn he's so beautiful when he cries <laughs> and then you watch like Tobey Maguire cry and go oh man yeah. That guy's swollen up. His eyes are watering. He he doesn't look so so heroic anymore. And Zoe Saldana is a freak-out, ugly crier. Yeah. It's great.
0: Oh, yeah. And, um, yeah, even, like, tracing, like, her acting with Gamora, too. Like, she's great. And I just, I love seeing her in these,
1: in these roles. I'm going to argue that she's been underutilized as both Gamora and as Natari. Like, she was barely in this movie. Like... I- the kids got the spotlight and then the uh the uh steven lang's character got the spotlight and everyone is adjusting to life in this water clan and then she's just kind of off screen and then when Mm -hmm. the big battle comes up at the end like she's not on a water banshee she's on one of the flying banshees Mm -hmm. like she She hasn't accepted the new culture yet Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, it was a big deal for her to adjust at the beginning. So, we were you were just mentioning Stephen Ling's character. How did you like this storyline with him?
1: Uh, I mean, was he really such a great villain that you had to bring him back? Like he was oh. just he was just, oh, it's a military guy, okay? He he just wants to follow orders. He wants to he wants to please his 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 leaders and he wants to make money for the company like okay great could we could we have had like a different villain like and then they have to bring him back Mm -hmm. in this new body and it's like again again with the voice you know you've got steven lang who is a very older man and he has such gravitas and and like weariness with his voice and then you get it in this like toon star like avatar like like the 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 Navi avatar commandos remind me of like the Monstars from yes. Space Jam. It's like, oh yes. look look look, we're bad guys, but we look like the good guys.
0: I couldn't put my <laughs> finger on it when we when we were watching it because I'm like, these guys remind me of something. You nailed it. Yes, I did not like that when he came out as a Navi. I'm like, really? Like we're gonna go with that storyline? I mean,
1: right? if if. If all the other characters in the movie are humans, and you want us, you want us as audience to look at humans like we're looking in the mirror and say, "What are humans doing that that that's so bad for the environment and and to people of indigenous nature and to to fish to everything?" And then you you take this villain and you put him in the body of someone that we're supposed to sympathize with. It didn't work for me.
0: Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, I did not like, but in, you know, the story was not good. I felt like, I was stressed 95% of this whole movie.
1: The whole movie is just like an exercise in controlling your anxiety. Yes. Whether you're like, you know, a claustrophobic of all like the scenes in space, or you have a fear of drowning, or you have a fear of getting lost, or eaten by some predator, like, Yeah. Just
0: you know, there's there there are deaths in this movie too that hit you, and it's like they're there, they're to the point, they're not skirting around that issue.
1: I was you know we were watching this movie and the the scene with the shipwreck and and the whale attacking mm-hmm. the the fishermen came up and it was very unlike James Cameron and more like Michael Bay, and I don't know if the point was to say that you know, I can be more gratuitous with this violence and these deaths and I can kinda glamorize them because these are bad people. But like you compare like how he shot like the deaths on the Titanic and how sympathetic it was and how it was shot like a disaster. Mm-hmm. And then this those same scenes of like people trying to survive on a ship that's sinking and this and that in this movie is shot more like an a typical action movie.
0: There were like yeah, at the end it was almost identical to when Rose and Jack were like on top of the, what, like, the door? The, the tip of oh, the Titanic. The when, you know, Jack's like, go up, keep going up. And then he's, and then like when they get to the water, he's just like, don't let go of my hand. When I say, you know, take your breath, and yeah, it was just, it was identical.
1: Okay, okay. So James Cameron, he makes this movie about aliens that go into people, right? He calls it aliens, too. He directs that, right? Then he makes this movie about people who go into aliens, right? He calls that Avatar. Then he makes this... Before that, he makes a movie called Titanic about people going on a boat and it's sinking. Mm -hmm. What is this movie about?
0: Both! (laughs) It
1: it is Pinnacle James Cameron. It is about people who go into aliens and aliens who go into other aliens and a boat that sinks.
0: Yep. (laughs) That's it. In conclusion, episode done. (laughs) I'm kidding. (laughs) So going back to the whole whale scene, though, you know, there's things in real life that I, like SeaWorld, I don't like SeaWorld because documentaries out there of how they poach whales and these big creatures that don't belong in tanks, (laughs) that was kind of evident in this movie. Um, And this movie in all just made me realize as the human race Just how, like, I'm not going to call us stupid, but, like, how we think we're doing good, but we're not. We don't take other creatures, other living things, we don't take their points of view, like whales, for example. We see them as, like, entertainment. We see them as food. We see them as, like, like property, We don't see them as living things. And we don't accommodate their needs for the ocean and stuff like that. Same goes for, you know, say we travel to Mars. You know, this is just hypothetical. But if we went to Mars and there was, you know, like Navi people on Mars, we would want to claim Mars. And we wouldn't care what these Navi people would do. Or, you know, we wouldn't care about their lives. <sighs> It just makes you mad when you think about that
1: we're kind of just like humans are like the best thing ever and we're kind of human supremacists in that regard Mm -hmm. if you really enjoy like the concept of like alien refugees you need to check out this movie called district nine and uh it has many similar themes about this movie
0: oh really yes
1: um well district nine is about aliens that kind of shipwreck on earth and then they become, like, ghetto... They become ghettos on Earth. And they're kind of, like, you know, subclass humans. And they live in poverty. They don't have a lot of food. They they have a dirty environment. Mm-hmm. So, it's kind of, like, the opposite of this. Yeah. Yeah, so, Amanda, giving all of this... Uh, these scenes about, like, just how destructive humans are to the ocean and to aquatic wildlife are you are you still gonna get a tuna melt
0: i don't eat tuna melts anymore
1: you still eat shrimp
0: i do i do like shrimp i do guys
1: yeah I, this kind of movie kind of reminded me why like yeah i'm i'm just gonna keep my diet out of the ocean i'm, I'm good so a, a parallel that we have with the whales and the, the corporation on Pandora collecting the whale, like, I guess, blood, blood fluid, uh, brain fluid, mm-hmm. is we have these things called um, horseshoe crabs. And we take, we go around on the, on the beach, on the ocean, and we grab these horseshoe crabs and we take them into laboratories and we kind of drain their blood and we put it into vaccines. And like anti-aging, like m- like medicine and stuff. So, yeah, it that's that's right out of the weird world. I did not know that. Oh, <laughs> oh no. So going back to Sigourney Weaver, like, um, so her character, as we find out in the movie, is born from Sigourney Weaver's avatar's body. So they don't know how she was how her avatar became pregnant. They don't know who her dad is. And for me, it's kind of just like a Jesus thing. Like, I think Kiri is Jesus. I mean, just think about it, right? She was born immaculately, right? They don't know who, f- who her, her her father was, right? Her mother came from the sky. You know, Sigourney Weaver came from the sky. Her mother was all-knowing, right? Sigourney Weaver was the one who understood that Pandora was like a huge network of nervous systems interacting with each other. Um, And when her mother died, Sigourney Weaver's consciousness was passed back into Iwa, back into that spirit tree. And then later in the movie, Kiri has a seizure and she technically kind of dies. And then she's revived. And what's she doing later in the movie? Performing miracles, Right. Communicating with aquatic life, you know, telling the the aquatic life to attack the humans, right? And she even had kind of like this um, Judas character, in Spider, and Spider kind of betrayed the Navi and all of his friends back at that community. So, what do you think? How's my theory hold up?
0: It, no, it was really good because I was waiting to hear a father reveal, and then when the credits rolled, I'm like we didn't get to figure anything out with her and you were like wrong. And then you told me this theory of like immaculate conception and what she stands for. And at the beginning of the movie, the mother tree, like was that like little pollen or something that like shows that she's pure and just has all this potential in her. Yeah, I I agree with that. And I'm glad that you, you understood that because, I mean, I was just waiting. I'm like, why does she talk to creatures under the sea? Why is she adapting this so well? But it, you're right. It's because she has that, I don't know, like that soul in her that understands Pandora as a whole. Right? Yes. So yeah, I just still couldn't get over the fact that she was played by Sigourney Weaver. <sighs>
1: That was the that was the biggest leap in logic for you. Yeah, <laughs> that was the most unbelievable thing in this movie.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought though, and Mike, I think we were talking about how the storyline was kind of repetitive in some regard. Um, you know, because it was him; he was back, and uh, and Stephen Lang, he was back, and it was interesting because he was able to see the way that his actual human self died. And this Na'vi character has his memory and his thoughts. Well, not really his thoughts, but...
1: I mean, his memory. Yeah. So, again, that would kind of be the basis of his thoughts.
0: And I didn't like how Spider was his son. At all.
1: Yeah, I mean, Stevie Ling is an older guy. What's he doing with, like, a, a newborn infant on this planet?
0: hmm Like, I thought it was just, like, a couple scientists getting busy and just left. They should have just, like, left that kid alone. yeah spider he should have just stayed
1: they did a they did a kind of like a lot of retconning like oh this whole time steven ling he had a son and this whole time um they actually made backups of their brains and they made uh navi bodies out there in space and it's it's like okay how come none of this was addressed in the first movie
0: yeah and who were these other people with him like the other navis the the Monstars. Yeah, the Monstars. We they're just they're just, just commandos. Just dudes, yeah. Yeah. So and then yeah, because it, and then it's like kind of redundant to have humans going into Navi bodies too. I don't know. I just I didn't like that whole Stephen Lang thing. It was very unnecessary, and I mean it was a good motive for um, like Jake and his family to pack up and leave and go to the water, um, the water Navi tribe, and have them adapt to a new world, and all that, but, I don't know, they should have just had something else, and not Stephen Lang.
1: You know what (laughs) I would have liked to see? Just ended him. I would have liked to see the, well, you could have, you don't need to have Stephen Lang come back, but you could have had humans come back, and you could have had them land in some part of the planet, and kind of meet, like, a new tribe of Navi, Mm -hmm. and then, they kind of assimilate the navi into like humans like they they teach them about you know capitalism and and um and and you know nine to five jobs and fast food and blue jeans and and plastic and all this stuff and they like they get the navi like really comfortable and then it's the navi who turn against the other navi and decide to erupt the planet yeah that would have been cool that would so, if I'm mistaken, I think we're supposed to get a total of five of these movies, possibly four. That's crazy. And, of course, in all Avatar-related news, we're going to get a so-called Fire Nation of Na'vi. So, we're going to get to see evil Na'vi um, that Jake will maybe face off against. So, what do you hope to see explored in the sequels, man? And You obviously want to see more Sigourney Weaver because you're just obsessed with her at this point. <laughs> And you, you want more of that character explored. But what else? What else do you want to see?
0: I really liked Jake's second-born son, and I really liked the daughter of the like leader of the water navi. They had a little bit of a chemistry going on. I thought they were so cute. So I would like to see that. I think Jake might die in these newer movies, or there's going to be like like his generation his i mean excuse me his children and their generation they're gonna have kids and then we'll get to see like maybe an evolution of pandora and like ideas from these other children it's kind of like the gen z thing in the world right now you know gen z is awesome and they got their own stuff and you know the boomers they're very outdated you know so it's kind of like i wonder what that would be like in pandora
1: the humans are the boomers The humans are the boomers of this movie. Right. The the ones polluting the planet, the one sticking to old ways, the one fighting endless wars. The the humans are boomers.
0: And then, like, Jake and Zoe Saldana's character, they're, like, the millennials, and then their children are the Gen Zers, where they can, like, change... Because they're, like, born, they're hybrids. So, yeah. But anyway... Um, and, and then you mentioned something about fire. That would be really cool because if if you guys know, like, I love the Fire Nation and Avatar the Last Bender. I just like the blue fire. So just to see different ways fire would be used in these movies, and that would look really cool. Like, if they made the water look neat, the fire will look awesome in these movies.
1: Yeah, fire is very hard to animate. It's very hard to make look realistic and film so Mm -hmm. we'll see what they do maybe the Navis will live in volcanoes and there'll be lots of liquid hot magma around
0: Uh, yeah it's very interesting
1: and then then maybe Sigourney Weaver's character will be the the Navi that will unite all of the four nations of Navis together to live in peace and harmony
0: in conclusion Sigourney (laughs) Weaver is god in these movies Sigourney Weaver is the Pandora god yes
1: The Avatar. Like, like, airbending Avatar.
0: She's the definition. She's the other Avatar. Yeah. (laughs) So, Mike, would you recommend this movie?
1: Okay, so if you haven't seen these Avatar movies and you think it'd be something you're interested in, you should, you should watch these movies. If you're an animator, if you're an artist, if you're a filmmaker, yes, they need to be seen because this is, like, the future. Um, More of this motion capture performance technology is being utilized in things like video games and in cinema it's just not quite there yet but it's it's getting close so if you liked the first movie there's more of the same there's more to like in this movie this movie has obviously some flaws that we pointed out that we think choices we didn't like but overall I think it's a good movie but if you're more of like a standard traditional f- film fan and you don't like a lot of visual effects, and you don't like all this new technology And you don't like the kind of, like, removal from, you know, people in a room talking in front of a camera, doing things like that. Like, you don't like just, like, that black box cinema, then you should stay away from this movie. But from a general audience perspective, yeah, go see this movie. It's it's a fun ride.
0: Yeah, I don't think I would... Obviously, I'm not going to watch this movie again because I... Yeah, I was like depressed and anxious, like I said, ninety five percent of this movie. So it's like I don't want to subject myself to that. I agree with you. Um, being you know a visual artist, it's a must see. Um, just if you go for that and just kind of tune out the storyline, I would not recommend watching it on Disney Plus. I would recommend getting to the movie theater and watching it in IMAX, definitely. Cause, you know, once it's out of theater, then you're not gonna get that visually captivating experience on what 50 inch television so
1: yeah they just don't make 3d movies to stream i don't think and then mm -hmm. 3d blu rays have just disappeared so i just i get to the theater
0: i have thor ragnarok on disney plus right now on my um, 55 inch television and it's the imax version and i have that in quotes on disney plus and like it looks great don't get me wrong but You know, there's nothing like seeing in an IMAX theater screen. So with that, please let us know if you have seen this movie and what your thoughts were because everyone I talked to was just like, yeah, it was really sad or people who haven't seen this movie they're like that's what we heard that it's really sad so um but if you loved it please let us know because we would love to um know your thoughts on that and why you, you love it so you know we always take everyone's opinions and you know we love to hear it so anyway um next episode is very exciting for us it's we're gonna talk about pokemon everything and anything pokemon is something we grew up with And we got news, and I posted this on social media, that Ash and Pikachu, I don't know if Pikachu, but Ash and, like, Misty, Brock, Team Rocket, that they're leaving the anime. So it's definitely a bittersweet thing happening. So we're going to talk all about it next week. Um, You don't want to miss that. And as always, please follow us on social media. We're probably going to post, like, Because like I said, we're behind on movies, especially me. So posting our thoughts on these little movies we're going to watch and all that. So, But anyway, I hope you guys have a great rest of your weekend and week. And we'll talk to you next time.